0: Hey, Pete the Planner here. Um, Listen, I've been working on something for 15 years, and I'm so excited to introduce it to you. It is called Hey Money, and the whole point of it is this. You should not have to pay thousands of dollars a year to talk to a financial expert about your financial life and to get answers to the questions that you so badly need. And that is why we created Hey Money for about 20 bucks a month. We can help you with all aspects of your financial life, short of... Investment decisions, that's right. I'm just telling you how it is. Don't call us and say, hey, should I invest in this or that? That's not what we do. And let's be honest, those aren't the questions that keep you up at night. We can help you figure out how to get out of debt, to pay for college, how to uh, put together a budget, how to do all sorts of things. If you like this show, which of course you do, that's why you're listening, then get Hey Money, and I've got a special offer code 10% off radio. Use the offer code Radio for 10% off for podcasts and radio listeners only. Go to call, heymoney.com that's callhaymoney.com. offer code RADIO. Good day. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions, kind of. We are still in the midst of this economic and medical pandemic joining me as always is our financial what are you a correspondent in northern indiana one Damien dunn vice president of advice at your money line and hey money hello dame hello pete good day good day we are in what week five of this thing it feels like 50 50 feels like a lot anyway we are here and uh, we've been talking about how to recession-proof your life, and we will continue to do that. But you know what? I want to go back into some old-fashioned questions. People can get a hold of us by emailing us at askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. This show really was just about taking everyday financial questions and answering them for people. And then people who didn't know they had that question but secretly do uh, then get to hear that and learn something as well. That's how the show works. You were, you were well aware of that, right, Dave?
1: Those were the good old days.
0: Uh, That was PPP, pre-pandemic Pete. Oh, boy. All right, Dame, question from Brittany. Hello, Brittany. Top of the morning, Pete. I have a decisively non-COVID-19 question. I'm in. I've heard the famous Dunn brothers discuss the tax triangle in a recent episode. Okay. Wait a minute. Hold on. (laughs) First of all, Dame is not famous. It's very true. (laughs) true. Second of all, we're not brothers. We have the same last name. We kind of look alike. We ha- we are not related though. It's very strange. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's very strange. Uh, Hubby and I are fairly young, twenty eight years old, but are targeting retirement or at least freedom from having to work by age fifty. Wow, that's aggressive. Let's no. see what they've done. We're in a ta- we're in a higher tax bracket now, thirty five percent. But I also worry that taxes will have to go up across the board due to the massive national debt. We have a bit over a quarter of a million dollars in financial assets. With 26% in taxable accounts, 52% in tax-deferred accounts, and 22% in tax-free accounts. What should we be taking into consideration on this topic? Thank you,
1: Brittany. Man, that's an intense question. Yeah, it seems, uh, seems even more pertinent now than it would have six months ago, doesn't it? It really does, because I
0: think th- there's a lot of questions within her question by the nature of the multiple question marks in the email, but I think the point about what is going to happen with the national debt is something that hasn't necessarily been appropriate to talk about yet, although some would argue that you have to lead with that when you're making decisions as a Congress, but what do you think, Dame, will happen when it comes to our
1: national debt as it relates to trillions of dollars being printed right now i think if congress had its way it's going to do its favorite pastime which is kicking the can down the road and letting somebody else deal with it in the future I and mean, there's any number of things that are going on right now whether it's just uh, the national debt whether it's uh, how the current circumstances of you know, like massive unemployment are going to affect Social Security solvency uh, and make that happen, uh, or insolvency, I should say, uh, happen sooner than, than it would have you know last year under normal conditions. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. However, the question was, what do I think is going to happen? I think she's right. At some point, taxes have to go up. I just can't tell yeah. you. I just can't tell you when that's going to be. So, right. Because
0: typically, and, and by the way, I am not the person to ask this question to because I don't know, but this is just my thought. And, and Dane, please correct me so we don't embarrass our organization. But typically when taxes go up, it isn't necessarily trying to pay down debt. It's because we're trying to pay for new services in the moment. Is that not, a, is that not accurate?
1: It's my understanding, at least in my limited scope of, of history and national debt, that that has exactly been the case. Uh, we don't we don't make massive progress on paying down the national debt. We just try and make the year the year to year deficit smaller or you know, neutral yeah. for the most part. So I don't remember the last time uh, a president stepped in front of a podium in the Rose Garden and said, "Here's a check. We're we're sending a a principal payment to to." Take off uh, a couple billion of, of national debt. Let's all uh, be be really proud of this accomplishment. I, I don't think that's ever happened to my knowledge, but um, I could be wrong. I hope I am. It just doesn't seem like a priority for anybody. Well, I was going to say in D.C., but uh, almost anywhere. It doesn't seem like a priority.
0: Yeah, there, there are a, a proud few that are really mm-hmm. against the national debt. Sure. Like that that is their issue. They'll have like a ticking clock on their front porch. Like they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're those people. And that's great. I mean, I, I think you need different perspectives. But to your point, Dame, I don't think anyone outside of those people, Washington and Main Street included, and Wall Street, don't care that
1: we're kicking the can down the road. No, I haven't seen any evidence of it. I mean, they are happy to live their lives the way they are and, and not be uh, um, swayed one way or the other. I mean, if if you think about what would have to change to start paying down the debt, it's going to be one of a couple things. Either we're going to have to raise a lot more revenue, taxes, or we're going to have to spend a lot less money. And I don't have a mute button, so I won't try and laugh too loud when I say spend less money in the federal government in the same sentence. Uh but it's just not going to happen. So if we're not going to spend less money, we're going to have to raise more money. So that's the option. You know, I've really been struggling with this idea, and I don't even know what I think about it. But
0: let's pre-pandemic here. And uh, I'm not particularly a Bernie uh, guy by by any means at all, although I do like the name Bernie. Uh, but, you know, a lot of his ideas involved um, massive spending programs that provided a tremendous number of services. Do you think that's a fair uh, generalization of his position?
1: I do. I don't see how anybody could really disagree with that.
0: So we have more or less, without any math to prove it, just spent all of the money that it would have cost to implement his programs, Um, but we had, my air quotes, had to because of a global pandemic. Do you think it is a harder to now implement any of those types of services? And B, do you think it's the opposite that it actually now justifies the spend on those services as we try not to get political, but we're just theoretically looking at the economy here?
1: I've been wondering about this very thing, actually, and I think it makes really? it. I think it makes it easier for people to justify those services at this point. Whether that's Medicare for all, whether that's forgiving student loans, whether that's a uh, universal basic income, and the reason I think that is because people aren't going to feel the ramifications of all this spending anytime soon. They're concerned. Yeah, with, they're like they're concerned with the we present. Could
0: have done it all along.
1: Exactly. Yeah, they could have done it all along. That's right. They're concerned with the present and and not how how this is going to affect us in the future man you
0: know i there's a news story that i want to talk about next segment you sent it over to me this morning i saw it earlier this week about essentially a version of a universal universal basic income Mm -hmm. that is being proposed right now Mm -hmm. and it's aggressive and it it's shocking if i can be honest but i don't know if it's shocking because it's too much or that it
1: makes sense do you know what i mean yeah, I I talked about this with the wife last night, and uh, we just kind of stared at each other, not knowing what to say about it exactly.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I, I definitely uh, I I thought Andrew Yang during the the you know early parts of the campaign, I thought mm-hmm. he was a really interesting guy, mm-hmm. and I thought totally. he had some really interesting points. I really struggled to understand the universal basic income concept of how you pay for it, but I almost feel like that's out the door now. So that's that. I guess that goes back to our earlier point. Okay, here's what we're going to do after the break. We're going to come back. We're actually going to talk a lot about universal basic income. Uh, there is a temporary, or bill to put that in place on a temporary basis, uh, being discussed right now. So that's what we'll do, and we'll take another couple questions as well. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner Show, and we'll be back before you can shake a stick at it. I don't know what that means. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, uh, talking about how the government is going to get money back into the hands of the American people. You know, and you want to talk, we were talking about taxes in the, in the last segment. We, by the way, we didn't even answer the person's question, did we? <laughs> I don't think they, we did now that you mentioned it. You know what? Let's we'll see, we'll see if we can get back to that at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> this just got more interesting. We were talking about, you know, why we think taxes will likely go up. um usually people talk about taxes going down so you get people get to keep more of their money. But when you get to universal basic income and what we've just been through with these stimulus payments, it's not even really a matter of letting us keep our own money because there's no money to be taxed and then given back to us. This is about printing new money, not keeping our own money because some people don't pay $12,000 in taxes. And so for them to keep $12,000 of universal basic income it's not out of their pocket. Does that? Am I making sense, or I feel like maybe I'm not?
1: Yeah, I understand the point. I, I think the the key concept there was that the tax would be applied at a different point in the stream, uh, so the, the the corporations would be basically funding the the tax ahead of time uh, for all this. Of course, that will trickle down to consumers and increase prices. Um, but they were just going to pull that out somewhere else so they didn't have to rely on the citizens funding that individually the proposal
0: Two house democrats want to enhance the 2.2 trillion stimulus package known as the cares act tim ryan from ohio and ro Khanna from california have introduced new congressional legislation the emergency money for the people act i always like doing it for the people that's what we, we do this show for the people that's right this is the emergency radio for the people show. Mm-hmm. They want to provide $2,000 per month to Americans who have been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, here's what's uh, a little nutty about this. And I, hopefully the article you sent me. Oh, it is. The, who's eligible? Okay. Every American adult age 16 and older making less than $130,000 annually would receive $2,000 a month. Yeah. Dame, 16 and older?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Married couples earning less than $260,000 would receive $4,000 per month. Qualifying families with children will receive an additional $500 per month. So, Dame, the nuclear family, the two adults, two children – Mm-hmm. Five thousand dollars a month of income is what would they would receive. Yeah,
1: that's not bad, is it?
0: I I can't get my head around this.
1: Yeah, I'm. I have no idea how that would happen because that's. I mean, if the the average income in the in the U.S. is what, like forty eight, forty nine thousand dollars. No remember, one would car, ever go back to work. No.
0: And I, I hate that argument. By the way, I think it's a lazy argument. It's like unemployment will keep people from working. I don't know. I, th- I don't know people need the money right now, but that's you're going to have a lot of working people. Really, you know, well-heeled families that have job stability getting an additional sixty thousand dollars a. Well, I guess it wouldn't be a, for twelve
1: months. I wonder what's what's the time frame? I think it was six months. I think was the the okay. number I saw oh, put on the. Whoa. How? <laughs> yeah, it, it starts to... I mean, on the face of it, there are going to be people saying, yes, absolutely, this is this is what we need right now to encourage people and families just to stay home. Send, send the money. Don't worry about having to go to work. We got you covered. Go from there. However, I do feel like this is just a way to uh, get the camel's nose into the tent a little bit and uh, he, what have you been reading fables to the kids maybe you got something against reading to my kids
0: um by the way happy birthday to td in your household uh, celebrating right. big, big day
1: this week that's right so i i don't know i i understand from a health and safety standpoint doing whatever we can to make sure people are um taken care of and allowed to stay at home without having to worry about uh you know trying to make ends meet for the foreseeable future i I understand that i think there's another discussion to be had around the economy in general and when it's appropriate to reopen which is probably outside the scope of this uh at least this segment thank goodness
0: um we'll answer that in the last 20 seconds of the show right after we answer the question we didn't answer in the first
1: segment perfect um But I worry, again, about the long-term ramifications of introducing a program like this. I think there are big issues to consider. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I don't understand. The amount is so much. It's so much. You know, a lot of people got stimulus checks this past week. That that same family I just talked about would have gotten $3,400 this week as opposed to $5,000 a month for the next six months. That's a it's a pretty big gap. Now, I don't also, you know, did you see that interview with Steve Mnuchin, the s- Treasury Secretary, where he said that $1,200 should last people 10 weeks? I read it. I did not see it. Wow. Yeah, I watched it. It was, hmm. Uh,
1: it, yeah, it did not yeah. sound like it
0: was received real well. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't go well. It's like Dr. Oz saying that it's okay for two to three percent of school children to die by going back to school. Yeah. See that one? How about Dr. Phil this week? Lots of people just, uh, Dr. Phil said that we don't close the economy for three, he said 360,000 pool deaths a year. Uh, a, pool deaths are not a contagious disease, <laughs> and B, the real number is 3,600. He added some
1: zeros. Oh, well, math. That's all right. Math is a strong suit in this country. It's not a doctor of mathematics. It's not I'm a doctor just, of medicine, uh, for that matter. I'm waiting for Dr. Seuss to, to step in
0: on this and clear everything up. It's funny. I was on a program last week with uh, Gene Chatsky, Dave Ramsey, oh, me, whoa. Ron and Sana and dr oz were all on this panel together last week and i wanted to tell people about it but then dr oz says he's okay with three percent of school children dying and i'm like maybe i'm not gonna tell anybody about that whole thing yeah i you know you just gotta be more careful about the people you associate with pete i do have to just uh say about that whole thing is that you watch it it went through a lot of uh, the televisions um everyone's like Fake dressed up at their own homes, which is really dumb. But but I'm just like I don't care. I'm wearing a shirt in my Patagonia vest that I wear all the time. I'm just like, who am I? Pretty yes, just working away here at my <laughs> office. No,
1: I'm on sweatpants. Ron, was it uh, was it your Monday shirt underneath the Patagonia vest? You know that's a good question. Um,
0: maybe. <laughs> The, this morning on the news I wore a, a hoodie I don't even care anymore <laughs> I really did I wore a hoodie on the news today that I slept in <laughs> <laughs> what What does it matter we talk about it a little bit uh, amongst our executive team like how is this going to change work culture of who goes to work who doesn't what's the length of a work day you know man. There's a lot of those questions that are still unanswered at this point.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to see how this all shakes out if sweats become the acceptable business casual. I I was
0: in my closet last night, and I'm looking at these clothes like, I remember you, (laughs) like all these things you actually wear under normal circumstances. But now I'm just like, I'm dressed like a lazy teen all (laughs) the time.
1: You're having a fashion show in your closet.
0: Yeah, I was in there just trying stuff on, like pretty woman style. <laughs> it's like, buy this for me, daddy. But and then I called Ted daddy and he got confused.
1: And Yeah. So we eat ice cream. Do you
0: guys do dessert every
1: day at your house these days? Way more often than we should. Oh, but if by gosh. dessert, you mean delicious liquid things. Yes. Oh, yeah, that too.
0: Boy, oh boy. All right, let's take a break. We're we'll going to come back, maybe talk some financial things, maybe talk about drinking. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show. Back on the Pete the Planner show as of Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the 16th of April. The PPP Paycheck Protection Program ran out of money, $350 million going to small businesses and wolves dressed as small businesses (laughs) all across the country. Dame, you knew it was going to happen. You heard stories of it. Then there was the big sexy stories of Ruth's Chris Steakhouse getting $20 million in PPP funds.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. You know... It's a really strange thing when the government says, hey, we're going to hand out money, and so then everyone who's eligible to get the money or who can prove the point that they could be considered eligible for money, they're going to go for the money. So I can't say I'm shocked and or mad. You kind of
1: saw it coming, no? This was the least surprising thing to happen out of this entire package is that people who probably didn't really qualify or deserve it – I. I mean, there was a story, I don't know if you saw, and frankly, I'm not even sure if it was, I think it was for PPP stuff, but that Harvard was getting a big chunk of money and they've got a multi-billion dollar endowment, uh, that, that they could use for, well, whatever they want to, you know, buy Brown university if they want, I think, um, <laughs> That's weird. yeah, well, you know, it's, it's Ivy league's cutthroat, man. Um. But this was not surprising. Everybody knew there was going to be, you know, carve outs and bonuses and you know, bigger banks were going to favor their their best small business clients, whoever they may be and whatever size they are. This was totally expected. At least I would hope it was. And I think that's why we're all clamoring for another round of funding for uh, the the PPP fund. So so genuine small businesses can get some assistance here yeah so here's what's interesting
0: about uh what i think a lot of small business people learned they learned that it is wildly important to have a personal relationship with a banker and that banker ideally at a community bank not a local branch to a large bank because a vast majority of the funds that were secured by small businesses were secured through community banks. Those funny named banks that just seems like two or three words are slapped next to each other. And you're like, what? The what, what bank and what? As opposed to the ones that you always hear about and see on TV, the community banks got it done. Dame, you want to hear a story? Please. On the day the PPP application opened up, I went to my big bank website, which I'd been banking at for 26 years. As you might imagine, I was very prepared <laughs> to submit the proper document, the documentation, and I was uh, arguably one of the first people on the site. The site began to fail, then it took hours to get the things uploaded properly, despite the fact that I was ready. A week later, I get an email, an automated email from that bank saying, you you didn't submit this, and blah blah blah. So I was like, "What? Yeah, I did." So I resubmitted. So then I go on Twitter, and everyone who banked at that bank got that email saying they didn't submit the exact same document that everyone submitted. Yeah. And so up until Thursday morning of this week, around eight thirty a.m., I go to my bank website to see my status, and it just it's just there's nothing. I hadn't heard anything. There's just a message. I emailed my banker at the big bank and I got a reply that said she is not allowed to talk to me about PPP. But if my email contained things other than PPP, she would reply to my email. Hmm. And so then a friend saw me complain about this publicly, which I tend tend to not to do other than the radio, which is pretty public. (laughs) And he hooked me up with his community banker who had my application in within 20 minutes it arrived at the SBA at around 10.02 a.m. The funds were out at 10 a.m. Had I got done two minutes earlier, we would have had funding. Now, I'm not worried. I think, A, we have some reserves. We're fine. Every, don't send money in, everybody. We're okay. But do go to callhaymoney.com and sign up to have a personal financial relationship with someone like Dame. And so, Dame, we're fine. Everyone, don't, don't shed a tear for us. But man, I learned a valuable lesson because when this sucker is over, I'm taking every dime out of my big bank and I'm putting it at a community bank because for years, I, I've honestly asked friends and, and confidants through the years, why, why is it important to have a relationship with a, 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 a business banker? I just don't understand. I don't borrow money and blah, blah, blah. And They're like, well, just in case. And I was like, okay, Jimmy. And then now, boy, do I have egg on my face. So, you know, we worried about during the last recession that banks were too big to fail. My man, I think banks are
1: too big to care. Oh, wow. (laughs) I felt that really good. Very nice. It was like really dramatic. (laughs) Uh, my wife and I had a very similar conversation just last Man, night as well. I the know. I, we're just riding that same wavelength. By the way, she's really smart and
0: much smarter than you and me. What does she have to say about this? Can you tell her, her thoughts on the radio? Is that uh, cool?
1: Sm- small banking stuff? Yeah. Or, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how I can phrase this appropriately. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, this
0: is what I wanted. Everyone pull up a, a cocktail. <laughs> it's story time. The real
1: miss is done. Let's go. So she, ha- uh, she's a certified public accountant. She's worked um, with some very, very large companies all across the country. Um, and she is not a stranger to different banking types of relationships. Uh, when this whole thing came out, when Ppb came out and she was looking at the qualifications she you know, just kind of nodded and grinned and said, that's cute, uh, knowing exactly what was going to happen, which we discussed in the last segment. Uh, the larger banks in the country, uh, she knew without thinking twice that they were going to favor certain types of clients that they already have ex- existing relationships with. And the uh, smaller businesses that, that are often courted by large banks are were going to be put on the back burner if they even made it to the stove at all. Um, some national banks have relationships with certain types of industries and they're in the pocket of those industries. Um, some have ties to d- different, uh, groups in the country and then they, they play to those groups. It's not a surprise to people who, who have, um, intimate knowledge of how that works, but that knowledge isn't common to, you know, to, Small business owners who are just trying to do the best for their employees and get uh, get a, uh, another round of funding or first round of funding to keep the doors open and keep their business afloat. I, I wouldn't have expected them to know that. So uh, was she surprised? No. Uh, and then we had the discussion on, um, do we need to foster a relationship with a personal banker somewhere as well? We were just pitched this uh, concept um, for really the first genuine time earlier this year and we just kind of shook our heads and said, no, I don't see how we could ever benefit from from that relationship. It just feels kind of icky um, because we don't picture ourselves as, as, as that type of client. However, after going through this, uh, you wonder if it's not in your best interest to have somebody who can fight for you on the inside and make things happen. Remember that conversation
0: we had a couple months ago, which led to several emails ridiculing me. It was my, I have a guy for that. Uh, yeah. yes. <laughs> you know and and so mrs Planner and i were talking about that last night and, and her point was you are the type of person who loves to have a trusting relationship with a professional and then you just turn over that side of your life to them and let them do their job which damn that is me to a yeah. why have i not done that from a banking perspective i know ne- i oh I, I, well, clearly i didn't see the value in it but that's changed, man. This, this, this I call him a kid. I don't know, I don't, younger than me. This kid jumped on the phone with me on Thursday morning. And he's like, I got it. And I was like, all right, man, let's go. <laughs> and I mean, and he almost did. It wasn't his fault that it didn't go through. But I mean, that's my guy now. I, when this is done, I'm 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 moving account after account after account there. He's my guy. He's going to be on my favorites list on my phone to text and ask questions of. Just like my insurance guy is. Just like my car guy is, right? Yeah. I got a guy now. Oh, damn. We're about to hit a break. Oh, my. I almost blew through that. Coming up after the break. Biggest waste of money of the week, and we might answer the question of the emailer in the first segment. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the show where we answer questions sometimes. <laughs> This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete, the planner show is this was a user submission or listener submission. Joe McDonald sent this to me, he said saw this couldn't help, but pass it along. It is the, Oh my God, the ugliest hat I've ever seen. <laughs> it's the Aaron judge, New York Yankees, new era player, authentic Jersey V two Nine Fifty snapback adjustable hat in white. Damien, let me see if I can, uh, paint a picture here sometimes i'm good at this okay i want everyone to picture a baseball hat am i good so far dame gotcha it's white stark white lily white like if i were to remove my shirt in public it's what you would see Mm. how's the imagery not great it is dark navy pen stripes and then at the, the crown so you know there's a little bb on top the little button on top just below that to probably mid forehead, there looks what li- it looks like a, a capital B on its side upside down. But what it really is is the number 99, which is Aaron Judge. But it just looks like a B that's upside down. Okay. And, it, and it's the ugliest hat, honestly, I've ever seen. And it's $499.99
1: because it's a limited edition. But it's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. It's going to be really limited because nobody's going to buy it for $500. Oh, I have good news, though. It's currently on sale.
0: You can save $105. It's on sale for $374.99. Well, here's my money. Well, I'll just say this. Um, If anyone has a stimulus check out there, you know. Totally. I did talk to a friend. Oh, boy, I don't know if I want to go through this. Mm-hmm. Hold on. <laughs> I need music to decide whether this is something <laughs> I should talk about. I feel like I didn't tend I I'd end up doing this a lot. Um all right, Dame, just if this starts to get weird, just tell me to bail. Okay? okay. How about that? All right. Uh, My friend uh, works in e-commerce for a very large company that sells things online (laughs) (laughs) i I think that's generic enough okay good Uh, non-essential fashion items that men like not to see on women but men
1: like to wear themselves okay Okay, that's all that's it's weird but that's because of your phrasing but continue
0: they had one of their highest sales days ever on wednesday of this week and i wish i could tell you what it is because but i feel like it really gives it away so i'm not going to man look if you're getting a stimulus payment i know the damage done in people's financial lives we we see it every day i'm telling you you know getting a new not gonna help (laughs) Just not. No one's even going to see you wearing that situation Oh. because you're inside.
1: Oh, I saw somebody posted. uh I think it was on Twitter that Costco had a 84 inch HD TV for sale for $1,200. On oh Wednesday. yeah,
0: yeah, that was a big thing. A lot of retailers are doing that. I saw Walmart did it too. They did they. They brought a lot of price items right to that that point. How about uh did you send I sent it to you? The um 84 month oh, same yeah. as cash car loan. Yeah. I'm pulling this up real quick. Zero percent APR for 84 months, no payments for five months, a seven year car loan, Dame. Here, can I admit to something that I don't know, which you know I sometimes will do. People were saying, "Well, now all the pri- all the interest is baked into the price of the car. What does that mean? Does that mean they don't wiggle on the MSRP or what?"
1: Um, I mean, there's all sorts of different fees and hold back and whatnot that that comes with buying a new car. I don't think the interest is in there. They, they're not going to um, negotiate as much because they can't get uh, get some some kickback for selling a loan, obviously. So yeah, the, the deal, I'm using air quotes because deal and new car usually don't go hand in hand very much, uh, isn't going to be as good, but I don't think it's because the interest is baked into the MSRP.
0: Well, I read the small print on this ad I sent you. I'm going to read it out loud here. Payment deferral available on all new uh, vehicles uh, at this dealership. I'm trying not to give those details. Excludes leases. Payment deferral up to 150 days, 0% APR for 84 months on select models, $11.90 per month per 1,000
1: financed. Okay, what does that mean? Uh, that's just the payment. So you figure out whatever the cost of the car is going to be. Oh, because they did the math. Okay. Yeah, they've just done the math for you. Oh, <laughs> they did it so people would understand it, but it, w- it, it I didn't
0: understand it. Uh, may require a down payment. I'm going to guess what the down payment amount is. 1200. <sighs> Must finance through this thing. Some exclusions may apply. See deal- dealer for details. Offer ends 43020. Yeah. Anyway, um Dame, what else should people be looking out for in the coming weeks? The coming week, what what, what is on the horizon for us? The stock market has had it a pretty amazing April, I, I, not because it's April, just because of the timing <laughs> of how this thing shuffled off. I mean, th- today, which we we're recording on Friday morning, the market's supposed to go game busters because there's is it Gilead? Gilead has some uh, positive responses
1: to a drug uh, mm-hmm. for COVID nineteen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I. I just because we've had uh, some some good luck in the markets recently, I don't think it's going to be a, a permanent long term trend. I think we're going to see a lot of volatility. That doesn't mean things we're going to test the lows that we we just recently experienced. But yeah, we've, we've got some uncertainty still going forward as much as uh, we like to think there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And there is. I just don't think maybe our depth perceptions quite as good as everybody wants it to be. And we're going we're gonna to have highs and lows, and the stock market will uh, respond accordingly. Whether or not that seems rational to us at the time when that happens, well, that's yet to be seen because you know, half the time, it doesn't make sense what it does anyway. So if you're young, stay invested for the long term. Don't try and guess. Just keep chucking money at your accounts. Let the market do its thing. If you're older, talk to an advisor. Make sure you're set up correct. If you don't have an advisor, start shopping for one. See what you can find what th- th- this is a pointless question. What
0: industry do you worry the most about over the next couple years as it relates to what's happening right now?
1: Oh man. um besides mosh pit lessons i'm I'm assuming you already have something since you asked that question. Well, I'll, I'll start. i I'm really worried about mom and pop restaurants. I, yeah. I
0: think. I think the odds are stacked against them because their margins are so slim. I think we may have talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Their margins are so slim, so slimmer than just about any other business. And by the nature of the investment they put into the property, they're smaller, they're smaller restaurants. So they can't do the quantity. Right. You know, they can't do a lot of volume and then leverage the margin that way. They just accept low margins. And so now they're going to have to come back with affordably priced food to lure diners and their margins are going to shrink even more. That is if they're even able to open back up and pay their fish guy and
1: pay their, pay their vegetable produce bill and all those sorts of things.
0: I, I
1: think that's mine. What's yours? I think it's just mom and pop stores in general. Uh, it, it was tough enough to compete against national big box brands before. Um, and they're going to have an even tougher time going forward. Uh, the, the margins, that they, the prices they had to charge were, were more because they weren't able to get the deals on quantity. And uh, it's just going to be tough to compete with with a behemoth like that who has every advantage in the world. Thursday, the 16th, Amazon
0: stock price hit a 52-week all-time high, if that gives you any indication of yep. what mom and pops are up against. Yep. so. All right. Hey, thanks everyone for listening. Dame, thanks for your contributions here this morning. We may be doing a live stream of this show next week on Friday morning, so uh, stay tuned to details for that. That's all we got. Sending good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner Show.